0: That perp like a unicorn after I came from the dungeon See it's on me, it's on me so I been going brazos and so came out the dungeon yeah. I put these dick in his head And they came out the guts and they came out the stuntin' yeah. I put these dick in the pussy Then for the for bitch beat it up by the pump, bitch. Yeah. I dropped the to top automatically And inside this orange, I been calling it pumpkin They yeah. let me get in the Uri's They came in all orange and look like a pumpkin yeah. I feelin' just like a wizard I went got to me and I came out the dungeon When they came back to the ghetto I said real like Pedro, I been on that fuck shit, fuck shit. I been that push for some pedal I got yeah. on my leg. We made for the L-O-L-O I make it rain like i Talk all the equal to the niddle mm-hmm. I'm taking care of little slittles I love my hat and I'll mm-hmm. I made a girl and I sort to Sit on my side, let me play with a bunce mm-hmm. I made this scatter out of the ghetto Then I can't compare to none of you runs We yeah. When not get out the L.A. We smoke a gelato, but I want some ronce <laughs> What's up, what's up, what's good with
1: it everybody? We back again for another episode of the Pick and Roll Podcast. Sam, what's good? We
0: going to the ship.
1: Here he We go. going to the <laughs>
0: ship.
1: We, uh, we got a special guest with us today, don't we? Yeah, we got a special guest that's already been on the show, so it ain't really so much as a new guest. Guy who you should be familiar with if you listen to our shows is Sauce of Sauce Straight Talk. Sauce, what's good?
2: What's going on? How
1: we living? Yeah, well, I guess we'll go ahead and start off by talking about them Rams. Um, I guess one of the most talked about topics in quite some time is still um still making my ears ring. I'm not gonna lie. I'm starting to get tired of hearing about it, but I think it's uh it's only right that we go ahead and discuss it, and that is the Rams and Saints controversial call that a lot of people believe to have been the deciding factor in that game now, Sam, I wanna open up the floor to you first as a Rams fan, so you can go ahead and um. Speak your piece about this, because I know a lot of people have been saying, oh, y'all shouldn't even be in the championship. The Saints should have won. They should have made that call. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, we're, we are referring to the pass interference no call um, at the end of that game or the end of the uh, fourth quarter, toward the end of the fourth quarter. There's about a minute of some change left when the, when the uh, play happened. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I'll open the floor up to Sam. Sam, what what what's your take on this whole this whole fiasco?
0: I mean, I honestly do not have too much to say about that damn no call. I mean, it was egregious. There, There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. You will not hear me deny that that was an obvious pass interference. Don't understand how they missed it. But what you're not going to get me, hear me say is that that decided the game. Now, I, I can say that it definitely changed it. if for sure changed the game. But, I mean – After you don't get that call and the ball snapped again and you realize that you're not getting the call because obviously (coughs) once the next play happens, they're not calling it. It's over with. After that happens, man, you got to move on as a player and realize the Super Bowl is still on the line and it's time to go make some plays. You're still at three points. It's only a minute and 30 seconds left. All you got to do is get a stop. You still walk out of there as the winner. So... Then, after you don't get the stop, and the field goal is made by Greg Zerline. That guy, I mean, man. But anyways, after he <laughs> makes the uh, overtime, I mean, the kick to send it to overtime, the Saints then get the ball first in overtime. So, clearly, all you got to do is score the basketball, I mean, score the football, and you win.
1: That's a don't fact. Don't do
0: it. You're, you're every Saints fan's goat quarterback the greatest quarterback of all time. Um let's talk about him for a second. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well but
0: before we before we go on to talk about him, Sauce, what's your take on
1: this
2: whole uh incident?
1: Or the no call, should I say?
2: I mean, you know, my thing is that <clears throat> with every game, every season that we watch, my my take on it was it was over in overtime. You know what say I'm saying? Overtime passing first called on LA Rams. The, the Saints got a pass the friends call. They got put in a good spot. Two plays later, interception happens. So, yes, the referees blew the call. It makes a smudge on the game for the referees, not the two teams or the players, because both teams got screwed on calls throughout the game. So, I mean, at the end of the day, with people sitting there crying and talking and stuff, with New Orleans Saints fans and Saints players, and Sean Payton, because he even got it on uh, with media outlets. All over the place, saying he's acting like a poor sport, stuff like that. You gotta look at the blessings that you got. Games before, years before, anything like that. I mean, Brett Favre could still be crying about a pass interference call, you know, in that NFC Championship game whenever he played for the Vikings. So the Saints should really kind of just chill out because getting old. Oh, yeah, it was a blown call, but I mean, like y'all lost. I mean, you threw the interception, you lost. Yeah, I, I think
1: that it's exactly what Sam's saying. Let's not let's not get away from the fact that it was definitely a pass interference call. Yes it could have possibly changed the game. Yes, um, thinking, I guess, somewhat logically, you would think, oh, they call that pass interference call, the Saints milk the clock, kick a field goal as they win the game, or uh, kick a field goal as time expires and win the game. Well, you can view it from that standpoint, but then you also have to view it from the standpoint that the Saints actually had the opportunity to do that already, and they decided to throw the ball on first down to Michael Thomas which turned out to be an completion which led them to not be able to milk the clock they were already in position to be able to milk the clock kick a field goal and give the Rams a little bit of time to go down and do something but instead they decide to throw a pass to Michael Thomas and give <laughs> give the Rams more time on the clock so Obviously, you can think of it as in, "Oh yeah, if that would have called the passing interference, the Saints would have milked the clock and made the field goal." But I mean, you—I mean, <laughs> as easily as you can say that, you can also turn around and say, "I think it was Sam that said this uh, while we were watching the game." Who's to say that the next snap wasn't a fumbled snap and the Rams jumped on it? I mean, there's still football to be played, so yes, you can look at that that play and say that it had a, uh, I guess, an effect on the end of the game. But you could also look at it and say that it was just a call that wasn't made and there were other calls throughout the game that wasn't made.
0: So I'm just I'm flat out tired of hearing about it personally. And I had a debate on Facebook with a Saints fan and he kept on saying the game was won if they got that or whatever. We would only got 10 seconds. I was like, don't you remember what happened to y'all last year when y'all thought y'all had the game won? Like Like that's literally perfect. They're literally a perfect example of Nothing is a sure thing. Exactly. Last year, like, all you had to do was make a tackle and you're out of there. But crazy things happen in the playoffs and in the football. So, I mean, you can't say just – if if we have, if it was going to be time left on the clock at, at, after that field goal, then you cannot say definitively that that game was over. I agree. And last year was uh a, 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 a example of that. But that's not really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Drew Brees thinking it up while all the Saints fans is complaining about the refs, they need to be complaining about Drew Brees. Is who the hell they need to be complaining about. I
2: think stinking up the, is a little hard. Yeah, well, I well,
0: do too. I, I got numbers to back it up.
2: I mean, no, I'm, I, I, listen, it's, when you say stinking up, it's making it seem like that he went out there and really dogged it, and he didn't. So the last six games, he fell off a cliff. And I'm about to tell you why. Seven touchdowns
0: and five interceptions in the last six games his last six games, seven touchdowns, five picks, 6.7 yards per attempt. That's on par with Blake Bortles. So you tell me how you feel about it.
1: I mean, I I don't I don't like that statistic too well for the simple fact that down the stretch they're not playing. They weren't everybody knows the Saints weren't playing their best ball, so you can't point to him as just being okay, the one well, to stick it they- up.
0: Well, then that diminishes y'all's win against the Saints because y'all was a part of that last six games.
1: No, we were actually the first team to beat the Saints to trickle down off of that. But I don't mind diminishing our Y'all was loss. the start
0: of that. Y'all was the start of that. That's I, what I'm saying. I don't
1: mind diminishing that. I'm not high on that. I mean, I'm, this, that doesn't affect me either way. I mean, whether it diminishes yeah, I mean, our loss or not. But I don't like I, to I, point to that as being – as stinking it up. He had – he did stink it up. And So what
2: about Sunday.
1: Yeah, we could talk about Sunday, but I don't like that statistic over the last six games. We could Seven touchdowns.
2: I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, let's that's that's just discounting the Rams' defense here by right? just pointing the finger at Drew Brees. I mean, they had a good game. They did a great yeah, job. With took- and Aaron Donald did a good job. Bro, but also the, the Rams, secondary man. the secondary did a good job with Mike Thomas. They switched things up. Alvin Kamara had to get 11 catches. I think Drew Brees did exactly – he did a- He did the best he possibly could do. The – I would say there were three Good areas – listen, there were three areas where Drew Brees did not play like himself. A, I thought he was a little bouncy around and after they kind of got a lead. They should have put the foot down in your throat and would have won the game. But he got a little cute, but he started underthrowing and he started throwing behind, and he was not leading his receivers whenever was, when they was running their, their signature crossing pattern. I agree. He was
1: missing. I agree. In the, second,
2: in the first half, what was wrong with him? In the second half, things started to fall apart. Pressure got on him. Sue played but, his ass off both playoff games. Nadal and Sue has played his ass off. If
0: y'all, if you let me finish running down my Drew Brees, I was gonna get to all that about and about how. What do you mean he was good in the first half? They had they had a total of three red zone drives. He didn't get no touch. They got one touchdown, and what? Yeah, one touchdown in the first half. And then they're two for five in the game in the red zone. Is, is that solely on Drew Brees, though? Yeah. I mean, if if Tom Brady go five for five in the red zone, we put it solely on him. So why is it when Drew Brees fell, it's not solely on him? I don't get it. Because like, when, this – If he went – if that stat was flipped five for five in the red zone, we'd be sitting here today. Drew Brees was five for five in the red I zone. I don't think so. Balled out. Oh, There's
2: a difference with mean, you just said. Okay, well. With Tom Brady, there's a difference with Sonny Michel getting 29 carries a game, and he's the guy who's catalyst in the red zone. So, what about he the fact – He scored in the red zone every time. They're passing in the red what zone. What
0: about the fact that uh he did pass in the red zone? Well, I, mean, he just, I mean, he a whole missed bunch.
2: I mean, I mean – Bro, Tony he missed Michel, a wide Bird open – Bird kid got the ball four straight times.
0: He missed a wide open Michael Thomas. No, in, he's in talking corner. about Brady. Oh, yeah, um, I'm yeah. ta- well I'm talking about Drew Brees. Yeah, he, but you brought up Brady. I was just I was like just, I, wa- up, I wasn't really mind. Look. Yeah. Look. Man. Listen, if we're going to if we're
1: going to talk about open. Drew Brees stinking it up, we're going to have to stick to this this the end of this game. Because you can point to a lot of moments throughout the game where Drew Brees didn't look like Drew Brees, but you can also point to a lot of moments where Drew Brees made Drew Brees place. Yeah.
0: But not in the, not in the, not in the moments because he missed he had he missed probably about three or four touchdowns. The Teddy Ginn pass could have been a touchdown underthrown. The uh, he missed Michael Thomas. What? He
2: was somebody standing. Right bro, there. he
0: broke. If he would have hit Ginn in stride at six,
2: now, that, Ginn, Ginn bro, had to I
0: adjust to right that right pass, down. bro. And then, um, like I said, he missed Michael Thomas with a corner falling down. He hit the corner in the head. Michael Thomas looked at him like he was retarded. And then, um, what about the fact he that the him, the interception in overtime? uh take the sack yeah. what are you doing why would you try to throw that across the middle of the field we would crucify quarterbacks for this but not Drew Brees though like i don't understand like drew brees was thinking it up bro i don't know what y'all was watching he damn sure should have took that sack he he was he was underthrowing and overthrowing all night even completed balls could have went for six that he was just just missing bro You
2: can't say he was. We play, he wasn't. Can't use the words and say that People Lamar say Jackson, he's the GOAT. We can't say Lamar Jackson stunk it up and then say Drew Brees stunk it up because it's two different types of he, games. They, they two play different games. players. Yeah, but they play, well, He played with better than Lamar Jackson in the playoff game, respectively.
0: He's better than Lamar Jackson. Yeah. What are you talking about? People say this guy's the best quarterback of all time. I'm
2: not say that. I've I'm seen guy, it plenty. I, I, right. I've so seen it plenty. You have that, you have that I'm plenty. talking plenty. to those people. Yeah, it plenty. You can point out. I'm talking to those people. Same mistakes in the playoffs. He was horrible. By
0: by GOAT standards, he was terrible. GOAT standards, people have
2: made the same mistakes. Not, it, but, not it, but, the it's not, but it's not excusable. Not the GOAT. It's not excusable, though. Not, not the GOAT. GOAT. I think, I think
1: go. I, yes, I agree. I think this is all stemming from Sam being upset that the fact that Drew Brees is in the GOAT conversation as frequently I mean, as he is. That's not to say that Drew Brees did not have a bad game because I don't feel like Drew Brees had his best game nor did he have a good game. But that... I don't think that that warrants saying that he stunk it up. He didn't play good, but he didn't stink it up. And, yes, we can point to that last play definitely. That's a play that was not Drew Brees-like at all. That's not a play where you see Drew Brees make it happen. that's That's not a play that you see happen often with Drew Brees. You'll see him take that sack often and come out the next play and gunsling it. I'm not sure what was going through his mind, but he did have a mental lapse, obviously, which he made a big mistake. And I feel like that's the one play that you can point to and say, what was you, what were you doing? Like, no, that's not the goat. A goat would, the goat wouldn't make that play. I don't think you can point to that game and say, no, nah, he's not the goat because he stunk it up. Because like Saul said, there have been other great quarterbacks on this stage that have played as badly as he did. Now, with with that being said, you have to take into account that this is a guy that's been in an MVP conversation the entire year. So you can't go out there and say, oh, he's stinking it up. He did this. He did that. When in the same breath, he's one of the, if not the, one of the reasons why they're in the position that they are. Drew Brees has played stellar throughout the year. That's not letting him off the hook, but at the same token, you have to take that into consideration, bro. You can't just say he stunk it but up listen, and he did this. If you if you listen, weren't man. praising Drew Brees when Drew Brees was being Drew Brees, you can't fix your lips to say he stunk it up. You just because no, I, I can listen. point to any episode on the podcast, and I don't remember you giving Drew Brees praise at all. We actually had a segment about is Drew Brees getting the credit that he deserves. And, granted, I believe you said he's not, but you didn't no, know. No, I said he was. He was getting the credit that he deserved? Yeah, exactly. He's the top
0: five, top six quarterback of all time. But I don't think he's the GOAT. And people in the GOAT conversation, if Tom Brady did what he did, we'd be sitting but here. But, bro, you talking. are comparing
1: him to the GOAT. You can't just make that statement just because. Is that
0: what people are not doing when they say I mean, he's people, the GOAT?
1: Listen, bro, you're you know, just you know, making this this argument at the people who are calling him the GOAT. There are way more people right, out the, here that have not mentioned him as the GOAT. You're you're speaking to specifically Saint fans right now because I haven't heard anybody who's not a Saint fan call Drew Brees the GOAT. Right. This is a yeah. it's a conversation that doesn't even need to be had. I feel like you're like trying to ba- trying to slaughter him just so you can show these Saints fans that he's not the GOAT, which doesn't so? even need to be done. Everybody <laughs> knows not? he's not the GOAT. The Saints fans are the Dude. only ones that knows it. Just like you let us Cowboy fans be delusional, let them be delusional if they believe he's the goat. There's no need to even. There's no need to disrespect Drew Brees in order really, to prove that he's not the goat because we already really, know that.
0: Really, what I really want the Saints fans to know is. The refs ain't the real reason why they at home. Drew Brees is. That's what I really want them to know. That that's basically what I'm trying to let them nah, know. It's, it's
2: a, whole, a whole slew of reasons. Man. Yes. But they couldn't. <laughs> but if Drew Brees was making the plays
0: that he should have been making and would be making on a normal basis, they would have been beating the shit out of us. Yeah, but- they had three red zone drives before we crossed the fifty yard line, bro. We didn't cross the fifties. Matter of fact, we didn't get our first first down until that fake punt, bro. They had the ball three times in the red zone before that.
1: So are we gonna point are we gonna point all that to Drew Brees or can we point some of that to play calling? Because there were some suspect play calls in the red zone that I felt like defense as well. But let's let's stick to this red zone conversation because I can I'm not gonna let Drew Brees off the hook. He didn't play the best, but you can't point to the red zone struggles. Off of just Drew Brees alone. Bro, they have Alvin Kamara out the backfield. They have Mark Ingram at the backfield. Are you meaning to tell me that these guys can't find a way to the end zone? Is Man, it all I'm, on Drew Brees? Drew Brees I'm doesn't is, even have all of the targets that he should have for being technical I don't wideout understand. wise. He's got a four speed Mark uh Mike Thomas, and y'all did a great job of taking him away in the red zone.
0: Buckeye. Yeah, Buckeye, but. you know it. <laughs> I just had to say it because you said it the whole time. Speaking
2: of that Purdue just got another victory against Ohio State. I did
0: see that in basketball. Yeah. But, man – if if, that, if the Saints' offense was rolling, Drew Brees gets all the credit. So No, no, um, no, no,
1: that's man. not true. Yes, we, when is, the Saints' man. offense was rolling, Drew Brees got majority of the credit, but you also heard about the versatility of Alvin Kamara. You also heard of the emergence of Mike okay, Thomas. You also heard the emergence of uh, what's the dude's name, Smith, number 10, I believe his name is. You hear about him coming out of nowhere. You also hear about Benjamin Watson having a great – season for as old as he is you hear other players receive credit it's not all Drew Brees I think of when when you hear success from an offense Mm -hmm. and you see a quarterback being pointed at I think that that goes toward the Chiefs the Chiefs have a lot of weapons but when they have success who do you hear about Mahomes Mm -hmm. he doesn't get Drew Brees does not get Mahomes treatment and we're not going to act like he does because he does not
0: I'll take majority. I'll say <laughs> okay, take majority. He not y'all not even trying to give him majority of the blame in the red zone. Oh, that we just
2: gave him? What? we gave him blame by sitting there saying that the man was missing on passes? He that's big. He missed touchdown passes. Touched, and that, oh, that's giving him the blame. So, We're not. What, do you, saying want, what do you want? What do you want us game. to say? We, what can that, we say Dante about Fowler Drew Brees? Made a, made, Dante Fowler made a All Pro move at the drop of a dime and sit there and had a man who was deciding to throw anyway. You're making it like he couldn't sit there and be like, nope. I'm he, our action was already moving. Dante Fowler made a hell of a move, man. I mean, Jesus the ball. Christ. He got there and he interrupted that
0: pass man i've seen i've seen quarterbacks get crucified for the mistakes that Drew Brees was making but
2: that wasn't that that wasn't what you would call like the biggest mistake because he was already what? in the accident though no he was not and Dante Fowler made a hay launch move no, that no he was there. not Fowler was damn near in tackle mode. no that is not true mode. he
1: spun to the inside and then got <laughs> yes. a hold of him he did not bro. that was not it was not, oh I'm 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 being tackled, let me get it out of my hands. It wasn't right, one of bro. those. His arm was cocked, bro. You, his arm was cocked. But as his arm was cocked, I don't feel like he should have thrown the ball. I feel like exactly. he should have right. he should have right. tried it's to right. go exactly. down. He should have tried to go
0: down, but he wasn't he wasn't throwing motion already. So tried to make it seem like he had no choice but to throw no, the ball. I said his action was moving. So what does that mean? That he? That's irrelevant.
2: A, he could have. He could the ball. Like, oh my god! Just forget it, man. He let's go. go. He should not have been able. He should. His action was moving. He went. Oh shit! I get. What am I gonna do here? It was one of those. Panic I think panic it was a panic
1: thing, thing, thing. But in Sam's defense, yeah. if if you're as great of a quarterback as Drew Brees, that's not a moment where you panic and you don't panic in that in that
0: fashion.
2: I, I you can okay.
0: panic, but yeah. you don't panic yeah. in in overtime. That what wouldn't use so what panic?
2: I would say just what Tom
0: Brady role. do in that, in, like, in the exact role. same situation, ball first and overtime. He with against the Eagles. They didn't even see it. You know what I'm saying? No, bro, that's <laughs> bro, bro. I'm talking about Sunday, and that was a whole totally different play. Like you just be. No, I'm just let's the, let's
1: not point let's not point to that because the Chiefs' defense was pedestrian all yeah. night, and he did not have to go against a front seven like the Rams. So let's not use that as a comparison. But let's move on, man. Since we're already talking Chiefs, let's stay Chiefs. Everybody expected the Chiefs to come out and be that high-powered Chiefs offense that they had been throughout the season. They weren't, and even with home field advantage. They're on their way home. So my question is, what did the Chiefs do wrong? Sauce, we'll open this we'll open this one up to you. What do you think the Chiefs did wrong in order to I guess be going home?
2: What did they do? I I would say the like while we were talking about the Saints or whatever, but the Chiefs (coughs) made the mistakes of being too lax on I would say just being basic on defense for number one. I think they knew that they had some inconsistencies on stopping the run. They didn't overprepare for what they knew they was gonna do or they was going to power run, they was going to run the ball. I mean, they, that's what they gonna do. So with that being said, when you get later in the game when they turned it on, came back, and the juices were flowing, the momentum was on the offensive side, they still were just being so basic on defense. I think that was the main reason why they let go of the defense coordinator. And they I think they got uh they're already talking about getting a new guy, whatever. Uh, it's it's the, they just left the middle of the field open on key plays. They never could make stops on third down. You got to make the New England Patriots punt the ball. I mean, when you get momentum like that, you want to be able to keep the ball and sit there and you, the defense just let them, let them down. I mean, you had offensive drives that were defenses over there taking a nice little breather. They're coming back out there dealing with Tom Brady. They know it, that Julian Edelman and Gronkowski is going to be the guy. I I didn't think that Hogan catch was a catch, but you can't sit there and knock you, like you said with the Saints game. You can't complain about that. You got to play defense, and that's where they just like they could have won the game if they would have just played defense. They could at least got two Sony Michelle and didn't let Burkhead look like an all pro. I mean, Burkhead looked out of work. That <laughs> yeah. was a mistake about the the Chiefs offensively. They just <coughs> slowed and, and fell into their they, into the Patriots kind of you know uh, traps. They set traps. They just do little things with defense to where they should have did. I but agree. They got a rhythm. main Main mistake was the defense. They just was not tackling. They was not seeing. They was letting big holes. It was just horrible.
1: I agree. I think that the Chiefs definitely went wrong in their defensive scheme. I feel like playing against the Patriots. In order for you to have any type of success, you have to take away Tom Brady's two favorite targets. Everybody knows that he likes to go to Gronk in big play situations or he likes to go to Edelman in big play situations. When you get into crucial third downs, like Saw said, it is imperative that you get off the field. You have to get off the field. You know where he's going with the ball. He's going to one of, one of two guys. So what, what do you do? you scheme up a zone to where you shadow both of those guys' sides and let him beat you with somebody else. Granted, it's Tom Brady. He probably will, but you like your chances of him throwing to somebody else as opposed to those two guys. So that was my biggest takeaway. It's almost like every play, every big third down, you knew where they were going with the ball. Granted, you had Tony Romo telling you, but even outside of that, you knew where he where Tom Brady was gonna go with the ball and he did it and it was successful. So they had I feel like they went wrong in that aspect. And I also feel like they went wrong in the aspect of not coming out the gate as fast as they needed to offensively. I needed to see that Chiefs offense get it going right now. Straight out the gate. Just like they did last week against uh who was it that they played last week?
2: Was it the Chargers? 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 No, they weren't Chargers. They played the um
1: the Colts. The, the Colts. Colts. They got off the gate early on the Colts. Like it wasn't nothing. Ran ran that score up. Mm-hmm. They should that's what they should have came out and did this week. When you're playing against a team like Tom Brady, that's your most effective tool. You have to go yeah. out and, and pun it make make him have to score. Yeah. Make him it's, have to score. And they right, didn't do right. enough
2: of right. that to me. You're right. And that's the and that's go to play calling to where they just went out there and was like, you know, we're gonna play it safe. We got home field. They thought that they would just—they was gonna come out there. You can't do that. You gotta be—you oh. gotta go crazy on the Patriots. At least take chances because you go play their type of game, then they gonna go out there and have long drives. And then they got in the rhythm, but when they got in the rhythm, with the main thing running the football. That's what
0: it was, man. The Patriots kept the ball away from them, man. Yeah. It wasn't like. It wasn't like they came out with a weak ass game plan on offense. The Patriots' first drive was like <coughs> damn near the whole first quarter. Yeah. They had the ball almost yeah. the whole first quarter. And as far as the Chiefs' defense, I think it's easier said than done to go out there and stop Tom Brady on third downs. Like I, I think that's way easier said than done, especially when you're al- you all you are. We already know their defense is horrible anyway. They don't have very much to work with over there. Like, I think that – I don't think that the defensive coordinator should have got all the blame for that because, I mean, it's not like he struggled with a whole bunch of talent on his defense against Tom Brady. Like, he ain't have nothing really to work with. What kind of scheme would you have liked to have
1: seen? Like I said, I don't think – I don't, I don't place the blame on them not being able to stop Tom Brady on third down. I place the blame on how easy it was for him to convert third downs. I felt like you yeah. knew exactly where Tom Brady was going to go with the ball. As a defensive coordinator, you scheme up everything. You throw the kitchen sink at Tom yeah. Brady to keep him away from being able to go to his comfort zone. And they did not do that. Like I said, constantly on third downs. Where did they go? They line Gronk up outside 1 on 1 with the cornerback or line Elderman up in the slot with another guy uh shadowing him or another wide receiver close to his inside and ran uh pick routes off of that all night you knew what he was going to do. Those are their but favorite man, plays. So
0: what do you do? You coach guys, man. I'm not calling these
1: the guys. I'm not saying it has anything to do I'm with saying. the guys being able to convert the plays. I'm saying the coach should have schemed up something to make it a lot more difficult. It was every time he threw the ball to Gronk, one-on-one. When he threw the ball to Edelman, Edelman was easily – there was nobody even close to him defending the pass. As a coach, it's not – it's one thing if you scheme up everything you can, and they just making great catches. Like, damn, I'm doing. I'm. I got it schemed up. This is the right defense to stop them, but they just making plays. But they didn't do that. He didn't throw the schemes
2: out there that needed to be thrown at them. Right, because oh, yeah. like, Malcolm Butler, you know, someone's like Malcolm Butler. But his play has changed since he left the uh, <coughs> Patriots, and he, you know, he was coached up to remember plays to basically say, "Hey, remember this. Remember this. The tension to detail." That's where I think it's the saying is, is partly too to where you got the players out there seeing because when on that one third down Edelman was kind of lined up more outside and he ran straight to the middle of the field and that one uh, that one corner right there just stared at him like he like you got to see that you got you, he's not going to run a nine route right he's not, he's run a slant right down to the middle so you got to be able to be heady, and you know I think sometimes but, you know coaching, you not and that's why they got rid of that guy
1: <laughs> but, I don't I don't I think when you have a defense as bad as they do. It's it's uh it's more important for you to get rid of a guy like the guy that they got rid of because when your defense isn't that good, you have to have a guy that has a defensive mind that is smart enough to know, okay, my guys can't cover these guys one on one. So what am I going to do? I'm going to have to figure out something to make them to disguise how bad these guys really are, and that's not what he did. Like I, the play that stands out to me in my mind that keeps playing back and forth in my head is the crucial third down um, in overtime. They had Gronk lined up on the outside. I'm watching the TV, and I'm screaming to the TV, they're going to Gronk. He's lined up outside. They're going to Gronk. Send somebody up. Even even if you don't feel like you want to double-team him, send somebody over there anyway pre-snap to disguise whether he's going to be double-teamed to make Tom Brady think twice that I'm going to go over here. No, they didn't do that. They, he lined up, looked over there, saw Gronk one on one. Bet I know where I'm going. Hunt threw the ball. Hunt one like he took like a two step two step drop, lobbed it up. I like my chances with Gronk one on one out there too.
0: I don't but care bro, if you're Tom Brady or Dak Prescott. That's the pass you're gonna make. First, I feel like. Okay, you double grunt then okay, then that just means somebody else is going to be okay. Exactly. So he's still going to beat you. It's Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's so, but I that's always, that's the thing you I don't always it's, always not Tom Tom it's not I, about Tom
1: Brady. It's not about Tom Brady.
0: Yeah, now. go ahead. I just want to say that I saw I didn't see it as bad defense from the Chiefs. I saw this as a great quarterback beating you where a great quarterback is going to beat you on third down in the red zone and then and overtime when he gets the ball first, he closes out the game. Like I, I don't think the Chiefs did anything wrong honestly I think their offense did what they could with a little bit of time they had the ball in the first half second half when they got the ball they turned up they had a chance to win the game but they lost the coin toss that's about what they did wrong cuz lost the coin toss to me that's how, how I saw it did, how many points
2: cuz i mean okay did, huh how many points did
0: y'all on the like something. 50 it was but like we got a way are we not a better offense than 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 the <laughs> than, than the patriots and it's also a regular season game you gotta factor that in. Did anybody yeah, has anybody we, dropped fifty in the playoffs?
2: We didn't ever call the Chiefs defense world
0: Beat. I know, but I'm just saying that I'm not saying that their defense was good or anything. I'm just saying I didn't see it as their defense being bad. I just saw it as a, a great quarterback beating you where a great quarterback beats you. It's Tom Brady. Okay. I mean you, so so you, let's you scheme up something. You don't think Tom Brady gonna beat that trash defense that but the Chiefs listen, team? bro?
1: Listen, I don't think that you, I'm, I can't speak for sauce, but where I'm coming from is you have to already factor into your head that you're playing against Tom Brady. It's yeah, it, doesn't I, it doesn't matter. He's going to make the passes that you need him to make. But think of it like this. Would you rather him throw the ball out here to a guy that is shorthanded or throw the ball into somebody else that has a chance of dropping it? He's probably going to make the pass that needs to be made, but it's not about him. It's about the guy on the other end. As a defensive coordinator – it's like you have somebody great out here, so it's like, shit, I know he going to get his rocks off, but shit, I'm going to see if I can try to make this guy beat me
0: tonight, and that's maybe not what way, he did. He didn't do that. Maybe maybe his scheme was, since the way Gronk played all year, he felt like he, that was the guy that they wanted to be.
1: No, no, no. How
0: you know? Though,
1: I'm honestly, not saying, that's, I'm not saying that that's not. I'm saying if you went in to that game with that mindset or that scheme, you deserve to saying- be fired.
0: I'm not saying that I'm not saying he shouldn't have got fired and I'm not saying that that's that that's a good scheme either. I'm just saying we can't sit here and say he ain't have no scheme. Whatever he might have. I'm him. not we saying he know. didn't
1: have a scheme. Whatever scheme he came into that game with, it was totally wrong and nobody with football knowledge is going into the game thinking the way that he thought.
0: I think with with a great scheme with that Chiefs defense, you still going to get the same result. You take your chances though. I'm not saying that you don't. I'm just saying you take your chances.
1: I'm I'm much more I'm I'm a happy camper. I can sleep a lot better at night if I'm the head coach. And I'm like, shit, yeah, they got us, and yeah, our defense didn't play as well, but shit, we played our asses off, and I I love everything our defensive coordinator called, and apparently that's not what nobody in the Chiefs front office thought. Everybody thought, shit, he's gotta go. We got to well, get him They
2: hired Steve Spagnuolo right away.
1: I mean. It's... I don't think they made the right, the wrong decision in that aspect at all, and I think the Chiefs completely blew it defensively.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's right. It's like they, said said. I mean, and they said the same thing with the Steelers when they lost to the Patriots in the playoffs. I they sit there, said the defense way. sit there, hung it up. Man, they sit there it was like, man, the defense didn't do nothing. What kind of defense they called? They play, they called a simple. They they said all the same things we're saying that the Chiefs did. They did not. Hank. They did not play <coughs> good defense, man. Did I not. didn't say
0: they played good defense, man.
2: I never said but that. that. I'm you just saying, saying. You said they didn't do nothing wrong with what came out your mouth. That defense did nothing wrong. I'm
0: saying. I'm saying the Chiefs as a team. I'm. I'm saying like overall. I don't think that. I don't think they did anything in particular that that they could have changed that would have changed the outcome of that game. So are you That's telling? So
1: are you sitting here telling me that the team with the best record in the NBA or the NFL this season did everything they could and they just got beat by a better team?
0: Is that what you're telling me? I don't know if they did everything they could, but even if they did everything they could, they're losing this game, bro. Period. There was no world that the that the Chiefs beat the Patriots, bro. No there was no world where that was happening. It was just not going to happen.
1: Yeah, I can't believe it. Be with that
0: defense? Who time I time p- time who time did, time I did I pick to go, go to the Super Patriots right
1: Patriots Bowl? <laughs> All right then. All right then. I don't know. I don't agree with that, but let's let's jump to the next one, man. We talking we talking Chiefs and Patriots. One of the thing that one of the things that a lot of people noticed um, was Tony Romo he was calling the game, and, I mean, he was dissecting it. He was looking like he still belonged on the field. He showed off that that brilliant football mind that a lot of people already knew he had. So my question to you guys is, how impressed were you all by Tony Romo? Sam, starting with you, how impressed were you by Tony Romo and, and what he was doing out there as a commentator?
0: I was very impressed with Tony Romo. But, see, I saw it differently than us. some people saw it. I don't see an offensive coordinator. I see a defensive coordinator. That's what I see when I'm watching the game. That's what I see. He's calling out the offensive plays like oh uh, motion. Oh, he's killing it. He's killing it. It's a run. Like he he yeah, he's a guy that needs a headset on the sideline as a defensive coordinator for sure. Mm. I, I I mean, I'm not saying he wouldn't be a good offensive coordinator, but he's seeing stuff different, man. I I, I would I would like to see him as a defensive coordinator,
1: bro. I can agree with that. But I don't think – there's a lot more that goes into being a defensive coordinator than just being able to dissect or figure out what he's doing at the line of scrimmage because let's just be honest. I mean, cadences, cadences change every year, and things things in, in offenses change as far as being able to call things out. So I don't think that he would have that level of uh, – he wouldn't be that effective against every team in the NFL as far as being able to dissect it. But I, I think, like I said, there's there's a lot more that goes on to being a defensive coordinator, especially scheme-wise. Like, I don't necessarily believe that his expertise would translate to his players on the court – or, excuse me, on the court – on the field – as far as the defense is concerned. But I can agree. I can see where you're going with that 100%. But as far as me, I was extremely impressed with him too. Not much more than anybody else was with me being a Cowboy fan. This is a guy that, outside of his his major debacles and his uh, interceptions and uh, his injuries, Tony Romo has always been a brilliant NFL mind. If people don't remember, prior to his – I want to say the year before Dak Prescott got there or even maybe even the year before that. He led the NFL in touchdown and game-winning touchdown drives and two-minute offensive scores. That's because when he comes to the line and two-minute drill, that's when the quarterback has the most control out of anything. He's coming up there, check, 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 we're going here, we're going here, we're going there, and running a play right off the buck, right then and there. And Tony Romo has always been good at that. So I feel like him being him displaying that on national TV was dope because it got it gave everybody else a little glimpse into his mind. But Tony Romo's issues were never how well he could read a defense or how well he could dissect a play or anything like that. It was his uh, his belief in himself is what got him in trouble a lot. He believed that he could make any throw on the field, so he made a lot of plays that he shouldn't have. But I think. Tony Romo would be an ideal offensive coordinator for the simple fact that it's it's a little bit to piggyback off of what you said. Like you see him dissecting or uh, dissecting quarterbacks and seeing what he was doing, but I'll take it a step further and say that everything that he did offensively and calling out Tom Brady's plays, he could do that 10 times better from an offensive standpoint. If he's an offensive coordinator and, and he looks out there and sees what defense they're set up in. Best believe he can tell his quarterback, this is exactly what's going to be open. This is exactly where you throw it. He's that that sharp of a mind when it comes to football. So I would definitely love to have him with a headset, being an offense corner, definitely for my Cowboys, if we talking about hiring damn Kellen Moore. I would much rather prefer Tony Romo. But I just think that the way that as impressive as he was, and calling out what Tom Brady was doing, he's 10 times better with doing that and calling out what a defense has done, I believe. But, Sauce, what's your take on him? Were you impressed by
2: Tony? Man, I've been impressed by Tony ever since he took the seat in the booth. You know, and that's why CBS is hearing all this OC talking. They are talking about extending the Yeah, they're about to you know, up the they, contract they raised, already. Pay bump and, but, you know, Tony Romo is great. And, you know, I've always been a big Fan of people commentating. That's why I laugh at social media, especially like Twitter. Like, it seemed like nobody on Twitter likes commentators. Like, I hate everybody, you know. And I'm just like, you can't hate on Tony Romo, Chris Collinsworth, and uh, formerly John Gruden. But, you know, I love uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, but Joe, Tony Romo, he brings a totally fresh, new way of like how, like, even making Sam, you know saying? Like, and I agree with Sam a little bit. I mean, he, he probably could do both sides and say be OC or DC because he could be. You know saying that type of mind to where you be like, you know, I can run this type of defense, but it just depends on what he knows. On thinking- that side. But as an offensive coordinator, <coughs> I think he would be way better at being that in a booth, sitting there just, just dissecting shit Agree. So whatever. And he's sitting there being that for the Cowboys. And I think that would be a perfect fit. But if, if CPS is talking good money, I would I would rather deal with stress free than just, you know what yeah. I'm saying, than than, you know, having to deal with like Tony, what do you call this? Security. Right. Security. Yeah, that's a bigger thing. Yeah. Security. Because think got want Phil And then here comes Tony Romo took his seat. He's still a part of CBS. So there is some security there. If, Tony Romo yeah. gets fired. He's hunting.
0: <laughs> if I'm if I'm CBS, that's my number one bargaining chip is I'm like, you got security here. Yeah. Exactly. Gonna, nah, I agree. Gonna, not saying you're gonna fail, but you know how it is, you know how fickle it is.
1: Yeah.
0: You <laughs> know how, yeah, for real. Like, hey,
1: that's, a here, that's a <laughs> fact. that's a fact.
0: But now, well, the reason why I was saying defensive coordinator is because, like, he he could look at a quarterback and be like, okay, th- he's this type of guy, so we know if we, if I if I can get my defense to do this, like, I feel like he'd be good at scheming. It but I'm not. I think go. he would be a good offensive coordinator too. I just feel like the defensive side that would that would be, be interesting.
1: Fun. Yeah, I think it would be very interesting, most definitely. Yeah. But um, let's jump into our next topic, man. Um, This upcoming week, we got the NFL Pro Bowl, and this has been an event that has slowly diminished since we were young teens. And it I mean, I mean, it's now you look up and does anybody even watch the Pro Bowl? So my question to you, fellas, is what can the NFL do to make the Pro Bowl more entertaining for fans? And I'll go ahead and start off with this one. I think that. I think the NFL should make it more of like an all-star weekend type event. Like they should have more events than just the game. I think fans would love to see uh, your Pro Bowl selections that you had out here, your number one cornerback and your number one wide receiver from each division lining up and route running and stop and seeing who can stop who. Obviously not in pads and whatnot, but I think we a lot of fans would love to see things like that also, I believe that I, I would like to take away from the game a little bit because you see players dropping out of the Pro Bowl because they they're not trying to take no hits and football is definitely a sport where you see a lot of uh, a lot of contact and in Pro Bowls you're not seeing that. If you're watching football, most times you're watching it because of the gruesomeness. You like to see that, so I would like to see them go away from that. Maybe making a flag football type join or. Maybe even like a seven on seven type thing, but I think the biggest thing that people that the NFL could do is incorporating celebrities into this.
0: Hold on, let me jump in right real quick. Why why you talking about flag? Because that's part of my point. Well, that's part of what I was going to say. Is the um, I think they should make it like a little seven on seven tournament or something. Like, just make it more so, they, so that the guys can actually compete because they're not going to compete with pads, man. It's not even smart. I don't blame them at all. Like, I'm not competing in pads. I wouldn't play.
1: No, I like, agree. Hey, I'm
0: selected, but I'm not playing. But I feel like in the flag, they can really kind of get after it a little bit. I mean, it, it does take the linemen out of it. Maybe give them something to do.
1: That's what I was going to say. With the linemen,
0: I feel like you should do
1: – uh do events, see what see the most agile linemen that you have in the league, or see the strongest. Like, do competitions to where, like, you know, how you used to play the Madden back in the day, and they mm-hmm. had the game, they had the actual drills that you would do, like to hunt the flag or sack the quarterback. Like, you got to try to get around the offensive linemen and try to get to the quarterback in the seconds, or mm-hmm. uh, things as far as lifting weight, see who can lift the most, things mm-hmm. like that. Do stuff that they're actually into. I don't feel compete. like right. I don't feel like playing this game. Yeah, they're not playing this game with the mindset of oh, I'm trying to go out here and win. Just like the NBA, they knew the, that they were losing a little bit of interest as far as the All Star game itself. So what do they do? They switch up and make it a game type joint. Like okay, well you're gonna pick your own squad. You're gonna pick your own squad like a pickup game. So I like feel me. like the tournament, like you said, I feel like that is the best option that they could go toward is having a flag football
0: tournament. Like four teams, yes, seven on seven, yes, or something, get a couple subs. That'd be fire, yes. I agree 100%. And then, like you said, throw the events in there, make it like a weekend type thing, yeah. You could have, I would have a, a full court qu- pass
1: kick that, too. I was gonna say, pump pass kick and also do a uh. Do, like, relay races and shit. You got all these fast-ass athletes out here that everybody's debating. such such is the fastest player in the NFL. Nah, such such ran the whatever in the combine. Have Basketball them niggas go game? out there and race. Who? They can do that, too. Like, it's – I feel like they need to get away from the game itself. Like, yeah, this game is not – Interesting us, and it's not interesting to the players. They're not intrigued by playing in a in a Pro Bowl anymore. The selection itself means something to them, but the game
0: does not. It means absolutely it's just another nothing. Game to, to try not to get hurt in. Exactly, I agree. And then you know when you play tight, that's when the that's when you're more vulnerable to get hurt. Exactly, you're out there trying not to. You know what I'm saying? It's just not. It's just not smart for the players to play anymore. And they, the, it's never been smart for the players to play the players just actually realize it now.
2: Mm-hmm. That's what I'm
0: saying. It's just like those those type of things. Brian
2: Mormon was in, was enjoying his weekend, you know, and um, he ran in the 40-yard dash meets with uh, Daryl Green and guys. Daryl Green was retired and he still ran in with D'Angelo Hall, people like that. And he had to run into Sean Taylor on that Sunday. And, I mean, he enjoyed his whole weekend leading up to that point. And I just think, you know, uh, like I told Sam earlier, it's like, they put the competition skills, the skill competition back into it. That boosted ratings and made it more interesting. But it's crazy. We to be in a committee because I was going to say, the one thing they could do is, is that make it a freaking flag game. Yes. If they're going to do seven or seven, 11, 11, but the tournament aspect, I like that. That mm. is dope. because Then you incorporate all the pro bowlers and make them compete yes. instead of just having a, a new, a usual AFC NFC, because as you can see, What's working in the NBA, they're doing the draft and yeah. they're having fun playing with, you know, guys they want to pick up. So I mean like you can take the top four quarterbacks,
0: top two from each division, I mean each conference or whatever, or you could just take overall top four best QBs in the league, however they want to do it. Let them draft. Boom. Yeah. Pick your receivers. Yeah, because, 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 back, because the skill
2: competition is dope. That that uh the thing they did at the end of that, the um that obstacle course, that was dope. I mean, like people really enjoyed that. Uh, the wide receiver part, you know, where they're making the catches, they can probably entertain that a little bit better. They can probably put, you know, saying that uh, um, the the, uh, the wide receiver, the offense defense, like it said, that would be dope with it. But make it, make it, you know, fun and festive to where if they're going to start having it in uh, Miami or way down Orlando, they can at least make it more like a weekend, like it's, like Sam said, make it more of a weekend of it. Make it a weekend, like festivity to where it's Friday they can have even say the rookies, you know, have it like they don't don't bite all the way like the NBA, but just entertain it like that to where you can have the rookies' offense and defense have a little um, flag football and then have the, you know, do it like that because those guys ain't there trying to go out there and hit each other no more because back in the 90s and, and you know, say 80s and moving up to the 90s and the early 2000s. them like, Pro Bowl they games was real tradition. games. Yeah. They followed tradition, and they was like, okay, we're going to stick. Right. And as these guys got a little bit more aware, and it's like, man, we already talking about playing the game game and shortening the regular season and shit. Yeah, like, I'm, like, I'm not trying to go out there and hit nobody in a Pro Bowl and I'm going to have my family out here and stuff like this. So they got to do it in that fashion to be more fun. The ratings went up. Like I said, it was kind of it was kind of like a breath of fresh air that they made them, you know what I'm saying, it made the All-Star game, it made the uh, Pro Bowl game. A little bit more better, but it still lacked because it was still it's no competition, competition in it. Man. I'm I'm willing to take it even a step
1: further in this um, in this uh, <clears throat> I guess flag football type thing. I think they should do, like you said, they should do the uh the quarterbacks from the top four quarterbacks. But I also think that they should take it a step further as to intrigue the fans a little more and have a retired NFL player come play all-time quarterback or something like that to bring in the interest of the fans. That would like, be
0: dope, yeah.
1: You bring be. in an NFL legend, somebody that you think, oh, he don't got it no more.
0: But, I mean, well, you're not asking much. Of them. But then that. what do you do with the Pro Bowl QBs, though? No, I
1: the, feel like you, you divvy up the time. You divvy up the time. But I feel like uh, the end, the last drive of each of uh, the second quarter and the last drive of the fourth quarter – you let the all-time quarterback take over. Like the two-minute drills, all-time quarterback comes in and takes over. You got a crucial game, you go to overtime, your all-time quarterback takes over. I feel like you should still divvy up the time and let the quarterbacks that are in the NFL play. But when it gets down to crucial moments, like if it's a uh, – I, I think the two-minute warnings would be dope unless it's a blowout. If it's a blowout at that point, it doesn't matter. Well, well, I like well, the well, idea. Well,
2: what about this? What, I what would... about this? Since you're incorporating legends, and we're talking about tournaments. Let, well, legends tournament. Let, let, legends, legends tournament. No, no, no. Let certain or that, but let certain legends that want to play in coach. And say, hey, or draft the team. Say, this is my team. And they get to play. Deion Sanders will be the first one. Like, a player, Rice, yeah, like, like a player coach. Yeah, like a player coach.
0: I'd be cool with doing an eight-team tournament or something. Or do three NFL teams and do just a whole Legends team. Like Michael Irvin. It's like
2: have Michael Irvin, Jerry Let, Rice, let the Legends I... have a team in the tournament. They're, they're going to get double. thrashed. No, when I'm no 7-on-7 is yeah, different, it's,
1: yeah. though. <laughs> 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 them <laughs> niggas that's out there trying to guard them. Why not just going to get broke off? You gonna go zone?
2: a <laughs> flag, different. Bro. Rice could go out there and still. I'm telling you, flag different. <laughs> Jay, I
1: think it would he, be cool. Would make, I think it'd be cool T.O. if you got some younger T.O. retired guys sport. like To, Randy. I yeah, feel like those guys right. could still go out and ball. So right. that would be but pretty entertaining. Taking away a
0: pro, you got to think though. That's taking away a pro Bowl bid from somebody.
2: But there's there's some No, I'm I'm, I'm, talking I'm talking about am about what you're there's saying. There's people that's not even going to want to play that. There's people that's just playing.
0: And as far you don't think they would bro. Yes,
2: there's people that that would be like I'm good. I'm not buying that. Bro. I think Why they would not? be all for it, bro. Why not? Because it's really where they could go out and compete the against them. guys that really wouldn't not care to play in nothing at all when it's the off-season. Yeah, linebackers <laughs> might
0: not some linebackers <laughs> that that might not. Want Did
2: to you play. know when the offseason happens that there's actually football players going like, I'm glad I didn't make the pro ball
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> You getting, getting beat up all year. You yeah, but, get get beat up again.
0: Flag, bro. Bro. but think of it think, of it,
1: think of it like this, bro. You got an extra week to be able to spend with your family. You can accept a bid, but say you're not gonna play. Right, and or or let's take it a step further and do it like this: the guys that get the uh, Pro Bowl bid, if you get a Pro Bowl bid and decide you don't want to play, you get to choose a legend of your choice to
0: take your spot to take oh, your position. Yeah, that's dope. But I, that's dope. I like that idea. But yeah, I don't think that um, if the game was fire, I don't see nobody declining it. We don't see anybody declining NBA All Star bids. I unless they hurt. So if the game was fired, nobody's gonna be like, "Nah, I'm going to spend this extra week with my family." But that's bullshit. I really think this is different, it's just a difference. It's because the game's whack. Yet yeah, they're like, "No, I'm not playing that yeah, but, shit." But if it's lit, like if they a couple years they see that flagship lit, nobody's turning that shit.
1: But then you think you think of it like this: There's automatically going to be some promo bids that aren't going to be able to be used because they're in the Super Bowl. Run. You take yeah, away I mean, those guys, and I, I yeah. use
0: those guys you for the legend. Yes. yes, yes. Use them,
2: them the legend spots right there. There it is. Marvin, Boom. You gonna, you gonna have your Marvin Harrison personalities like I'm not going, man. I'm not going.
1: <laughs> probably, <laughs> yeah. But let's uh let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk Marvin about Harrison
0: would have played in the flag. <laughs> let's talk
1: about. Hey, um, <laughs> let's talk about probably one of Sauce's favorite topics of the podcast. It's so our only college football topic of the segment. So um Tate Martell. We talked about it last week on our podcast. And uh crazy thing about it was the day after we recorded was I believe the day that he committed. And that shit
0: happened flip flop. Right. We, exactly we had, what
1: we said. It was the complete opposite. We had Jalen Hurts Mar- going Mar- to Mar- Miami and, and Tate, Tate Martell, Martell going to Mar- Oklahoma. Going to Oklahoma. It turns I mean, out that, yeah, <laughs> like Sam said, Tate Martell decided to go to Miami. So um, my question to you guys is, does Tate Martell make Miami an instant playoff contender?
0: Sam, open up the floor to you first. You know, and, and I want to defer to Sauce because I don't know anything about what Miami Well, are. let
1: me take this because I don't want Sauce to be the first one to answer since he is a Miami fan. I want oh. the uh, a non-biased opinion prior to hearing <laughs> Sauce.
2: Ain't that bad.
1: But <laughs> my take on Tate Martell going to Miami okay. is huge. I feel like he definitely puts them in the conversation, but there are a lot of other issues that I feel like Miami has to get taken care of in order for them to become a major playoff threat. I feel like they're there, but they need Tate Martell. It depends on how Tate Martell comes in. If Tate Martell comes in and beats Tate Martell. He can alleviate a lot of the other issues that they have because I'm not a believer in Miami's run game right now. But you're bringing a guy like mm-hmm. Tate Martell and that instantly makes the run game more dynamic because of what he's able to do. So
0: Yeah, you're running back to that much better with him. Exactly.
1: Well, so from hands. from that standpoint, yes, he makes them better. Wide receiver wise, I feel like they're solid, but they're not stellar and that could also be an issue as to how he clicks or meshes with those receivers. But its I feel like it's all going to come down to Tate Martell. If Tate Martell comes in and he's got that chip on his shoulder and does everything that we expect him to do as a quarterback, yes, Miami becomes a playoff contender, and there is finally a team in the ACC to challenge Clemson.
0: Because the one thing that matters the most is what type of scheme they're going to run. Yes. Because we always said about Tate every time we talked about him on right here, is that it really matters what's – I mean, we always said that he was great in Ohio State scheme. Like, he's perfect for what they run. Exactly. So Miami going to have to – they going to have to uh, tailor their offense towards Tate in order for them to get the most out of him. And another thing with that is the thing about Miami is they did
1: their recruiting based off of their current scheme. So now right. when you bring in a guy like Tate Martell – the guys that you currently have on your roster may not benefit or may not complement Tate Tate Martell the way that they should. Like You may not have the wide receivers that you need. You may not have the type of running backs that you need. Most importantly, you may not have the type of lineman that you need because if you run this type of offense and you switch your offense to try to run the type of offense that Ohio State ran, your offensive linemen now go from being pro-style offensive linemen to guys who need to be able to move, they have to be agile because there is a lot of pulling in the Ohio
0: State offense. There are a
1: lot of plays where the lineman dictates how that play
0: goes. So that's they don't something to, they not I don't think they got to run all that type of stuff because I think Tate can throw and, and everything like that. But I think that they definitely will have like he needs he needs to be getting fifteen to twenty carries. I agree. I agree 100%. Like he's that type of runner. Like, he needs to run the football. Like, not no sprinkle it in here and there. Like, he needs to run the football.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, Sauce, now let's open up the floor to you. What's your take on this? Do you think he makes y'all an instant playoff contender?
2: Um, man. You know, when you throw the word playoff out there, you know, I, I'm I'm the one that, you know, that really trying not to get my hopes up with my team because whenever we might eclipse, you know, we might get to that 6-0, we might get to 7-0 and things would fall apart, but I'm not going to sit there and say that this turns us into a playoff, you know, team, make, you know what I'm saying, I, I would like to see us get back to that, you know, that, that point of where I was really excited that we was not, and I think Tate Martell, when I've watched from the footage I've seen from high school in the spring game, in a little plays he had during the, in the season, I think he can do yeah, any, He can do some things. He's and, got and in our offense, I mean, like with, with Malik Rozier, we ran an offense where Roger had about 12, 13 carries. So it's no problem that he could do that. And if we got uh, uh, Lingard as a running back, I think it's real good with Travis Homer. And then, you know, uh, Harley is a real good wide receiver. I think that would compliment Tag Martell the way I see the way he plays. But he will get the carries to run the ball in our in our style of offense. And uh, we're getting the offensive coordinator from Alabama who had Jalen Hurts can go with that, I think that
1: would yeah. Was I think that benefits him a lot, that offensive coordinator. But I don't want to uh <clears throat> I don't want to give too much credit to y'all's past offensive coordinator for how many uh rushing attempts Malik Rogier had this last year because a lot of his runs weren't design run plays. He had maybe like I'll say maybe two or three plays throughout the entire game per game this year where they were design runs. A lot of his runs came from Oh, we call it a pass
2: play. I'm going to run it. Like it. Yeah, but, yeah, but there, there, a lot of those were quarterback draws. I mean, like, a lot of them last season, he got those opportunities. This season, Cozy Perry was coming in. Cozy Perry was bringing a different dynamic that he was going to actually be a passer, but he just looked stanky. You know what I'm saying? Just, yeah. And, and off the field, too. So, him being in and out the game, I think it was a lot of pass play that uh, we put a lot more on him to be a passer because we didn't switch up to his, to his play style. And he did do a lot of uh, customized running. As far as getting out of the past place, but he he just you know he couldn't he couldn't answer to that, and I think Tate Martell can answer to both.
1: I, I agree. We'll both the the more I think about this, the more I want to double back. I don't believe that Miami becomes an instant playoff contender. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of uh, a lot of growing pains that Miami is going to have to go through in this first year, with that offensive coordinator having to get uh, in tune with Tate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tate having to get in tune with the players and they trying to find exactly what is best for Tate Martell because it's not like this year? it's not, yeah. yeah I believe he can play this year but yeah. it's it's not like we're plugging him into a system where we have a guy like Urban Meyer. We're plugging him into a system where we have a guy like Manny Diaz who is not um, he's not seasoned when it comes to being a head coach. So It's going to take a lot of uh, learning each other in order for them to become successful, which I think is, it's going to take some time. I think give them another year. I think after this year, I think this year Miami opens eyes, but next year is when they really take that step to become a playoff contender.
2: Yeah. It it depends on the guys that return from defense, how they're going to look with guys coming up, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's, and that, and that could be very good. You know what I'm saying? We got guys coming back and that's, that's promising. And with, being excited that our defense coordinator is now head coach uh, Manny Diaz, and and, the, and with him, you know, saying he's such an energetic guy, like he had him, he he told everybody, look, just show up at the facility, we're gonna have some fun. He had him in there, and I posted it on my page. If y'all go look at it, Instagram. Uh, in on uh, Facebook Justin Austin. But I sit there posted a video. They sit there had you know saying we're sitting out there having a good time and they are they excited that he is the head coach and that we got a good office coordinator that has been in national championship games. I'm 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 good. I'm real I'm real feeling real good about I him. think
1: he's the right guy for y'all's culture, definitely. Yeah. To get y'all How back to where you need got? to be.
0: How many years take that? Two two. Yeah. Red shirt sophie. Yeah. Actually, no, junior.
1: No, Tate Martell. He he redshirted last year. This was only he's a yeah. He'll be a sophomore. He'll be a sophomore redshirt sophomore next year. So yeah, well, he, got three, he got, got three years. Oh man. He's got yeah he's got
0: some time woo, to be played woo. so it could be it could get real special in Miami but no nah, but the crazy thing is though being a redshirt sophomore he's eligible for the for the NFL this after next after next season yeah I don't think he will I mean, have a season won't.
1: to put him right there and I nah, next year definitely won't be the
0: year. no nah, I'm not saying he gonna go I'm just saying we probably won't get to see three years out of him yeah I think too I think we'll see two yeah I think it'll be two, two. And, I, and I think with the way it but, depends on how
2: the spring goes man this yeah, league is crucial.
0: And another thing too, it also I think it depends on what Kyler Murray. Is. Well, if Kyler Murray don't go to the league this year, I think that might be in Tate's favor. He's already not. In oh season. yeah, yeah, he did, didn't he? But what it, it depends on how good he played. I think that'll help Tate too if he balls. I agree because
1: teams play. will stop looking at him as oh, oh, small quarterback. He can't play. So
0: Tate literally is like just like he's a know. exactly. He's cut from that same cloth. I agree, a hundred percent. I feel like if he – I don't know what type of year he's going to have in Miami, but, I mean, I'm not going to rule out NFL for him after next season because if he balls out, I think he definitely can go.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um,
0: Let's talk NBA real quick, man. Uh,
1: Biggest story in the NBA the last uh, week or so has been DeMarcus Cousins. He finally returned, and (laughs) if if nobody called it, Sam Jones called it. Sam said when Boogie comes back, he's going to be ready. We're fine. Like, the only thing we're waiting on is for them, for the coaches to say that he can play. Boogie said he's ready. Boogie looked like he was ready. I told y'all when he was going to come back, too. Yeah, you did. You called that as well. So, what did y'all make of his debut? I definitely watched the game. I was tuned in. I know y'all was watching a fight, I believe. But, um... Yeah, man, I was man, I was impressed. I was extremely impressed because if you watch that game, Boogie didn't look like a guy who just came off an injury. Boogie just looked like a guy who hadn't hooped in a while and needs to get back in shape. That's all I took from it. So if if there were any if there were any doubts about Boogie becoming Boogie, again, he definitely showed the signs of it. What were y'all's take? Uh Sauce, what what'd you take from from Boogie's debut?
2: Well, um, Bill McGee's chest hurt. <laughs>
1: I'll tell
2: you that. Um, I, I, you know, DeMarcus the, uh, the Cousins, he looked pretty damn good whenever he ducked on Kevin Durant. And I just was like, it's just all about him getting up and down the court, running a little bit. He wanted to show that he was, you know, not weak, you know, saying so he changed or nothing like that when he got a little pushed around. He was pushing around, you know, people that was walking around him, flexing his muscles a little bit there. Showing like, hey, I'm I'm here. It's, it's 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 boogie. You know what I'm saying? Like it, he ain't changed not one bit And it. I think it's just all about him getting in game shape. But he he's actually probably had to shot more shots, you know what I'm saying, trying to get his Achilles right. His shot is probably gonna be his main thing that we got improved.
0: Oh, facts. And that's all he's gonna really have to do. That's the thing. Him being out of shape, it's not gonna show as much because he's not having to do as much. Like he's not coming back. Having to carry a heavy load—that's why this was a great business decision for Boogie Cousins. Like, I, I think it was the smartest thing he possibly could have done. Yeah. Coming off that Achilles, he not putting no whole bunch of minutes on uh, it. He don't got <coughs> do a whole bunch playing with the Warriors, and at the whole time, he could prove that he can exist in a championship culture, and he can he can learn what it takes to win a championship. Like he's doing a he's killing a lot of birds with with this move right here. While people want to crucify him talking about he chasing rings this is nothing about chasing rings for boogie because he he's he's saving himself at but at the same time he's doing something he wants he he everybody everybody dreams, dreams to, do, to do you know what I'm saying and and he's putting himself in a situation to where he can earn the big max contract and he'll be able to carry that load again I'm just g- smart it was just perfect it, I'm he glad got you, to yeah. me the people around boogie man I'm glad you touched he got on that. around him.
1: I'm glad it's you touched on smart. that. Yeah, because that's, that's the biggest takeaway for me, too, is the fact that this benefits both sides. And more than anything, I love the culture, man. You can tell that these guys are all trying to make the most of this year. They are, they're extremely happy for Boogie getting back to Boogie, but at the same time, they gel. Like, they are really connected. Like and they just seem to be in this in a position to where they like, shit, let's go get this ring this year. We know we can't get him back next year, but we're gonna have
0: fun with this year. We're gonna do what we need to do to get there. And one thing is one thing that's known in this locker room that I've been trying to just I've been saying ever since this argument with KD and Draymond. Or whatever. I'm not getting into all that, but I'm just saying Please. the thing about this locker room is the goal is bigger than everybody, and they know that the, with the roster they got this year, if they don't win this championship this year, it tarnishes the whole dynasty. they don't win it this year, it's tarnished, bro. They, you're not going to be able to mention the Warriors without them being like, but they ain't win it that year. They had Boogie, though. That's crazy. Like That's going to be the first thing anybody ever says. They know this is the year. If they lost any of them, this cannot be the one.
2: He can't. He's, he's bringing up some old wounds there. Uh, <laughs> oh, State I know. There, you know, just doing too much. I mean, other teams did it too. I mean, you know, to try to keep it but, up. And you, know, and, uh, but, and, you know, Spurs was able to do different
1: things. And, and Sam's you know. defense, I don't think that's too much of the same because we got no, those guys late the in their career. Just, it hurt
2: a little bit, though. It hurt a little bit, though. <laughs> it hurt a little bit. Cause he, what? Said, he said, if you get to that point where you do it, where you get to that point where guys want to play on this team, and that is somewhere to compare so I know the age difference is but I'm just saying you get to where guys want to be a part of something great
1: yeah and you
2: you do add that and if you don't win it especially with Boogie the caliber of he at now and you are like damn they didn't win it without Boogie, and that's what happens when they talked about the Kobe and Shaq regime and saying that when they fell apart, but then most importantly, we added too much. But I don't think that didn't
0: have anything to do with the Lakers. They, the Lakers was falling apart that season, regardless of Gary Payton
2: and Carl Malone was there, bro. It was mentioned. It was part of the media. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed the that way, and then, then about. the play on the floor didn't make it because seem any better. Because half the season, they were saying Gary Payton couldn't run the triangle and all that yeah, stuff like that. But man, really,
0: crazy. though, it was Kobe and Shaq, man. That was never going to work
2: yeah. any longer. They, this wasn't they, work, at the end of the day, what they gonna say? It was because of Katie and Draymond. If they, if y'all don't win, it's the first thing they're gonna say. Not because of I Coach think of... that ship has sailed. I don't think anybody. I mean, that be the first thing. They say. No, Probably. I don't think so. I don't think
1: nah, I think I think that one's over. But um, yeah, man, let's let's touch know. on another NBA topic. Carmelo Anthony has been traded to the Chicago Bulls, which <laughs> the Chicago Bulls are expected to waive him, so he'll become a free agent and be able to go wherever he wants to go. At this particular moment, all signs are pointing to him going to Los Angeles to team up with LeBron, but above that, my question to you guys is, can Carmelo go anywhere and actually help a team? I'm not saying help a team as far as making them a contender or making them that much better. Can he help a team as far as making them a tad bit better than what they already are with him being there?
0: I think it's one team for sure that he can help, but he's going to have to know that his role is going to be little to none. Like He's going to be a call.
1: And who do you think that team is?
0: Golden State Warriors. Of course. A depleted bench, man. There's nothing coming off that pine. He can come off that pine and definitely help the Warriors, but he has to know that he are not going – like. Your roles your role gonna be different, bro. You gonna have to defend like yeah, we need you to score, but it's not gonna be the way you used to scoring. Like you're gonna have to change some things. And that's I think that's gonna be his issue. That's why nobody's gonna wanna touch him. But I think talent wise, he would be perfect for okay. Golden State.
1: I think that Golden State is actually the exact reason that I asked this question because I believe that Carmelo Anthony can make some teams better, but I feel like if you add him to a team like the Warriors, he makes the Warriors worse. You think so? I think can- he makes the Warriors worse because Carmelo. I don't feel like Carmelo Anthony can be in an environment like that and take a back seat. I feel like if you give him—that's them- that's the
0: problem. Yeah, I agree with you there. If you if you're taking it to that point, then I definitely agree. I think I think, think, think it'll take a back seat. I think it'll and, be go ahead. But if he could. I think that would be a perfect destination for him. But I just – I can't see it happening. I don't see him doing it either, honestly. I agree with you as well. He's not going to change his mindset. But if he did, I think that would be the spot.
1: Yeah, I think if Carmelo changed his mindset, that opens up floodgates. There are a lot of other teams Carmelo could help. But as we've already seen, Carmelo does not value a championship as much as other players do. And if you put him in a locker room like the Warriors, I think he becomes toxic. And to me – I feel like the only team that Carmelo Anthony could possibly go to and change his ways a little bit, I don't think he'll change them enough to where it's substantial, but I think he'll change his ways a bit. And I think that it is the Lakers. I think the Lakers are the best team that he could go to, seeing as him and LeBron really have that relationship. So I feel like, yeah, I, I think that I'm not saying that him going to the Lakers would be a good move because I don't believe that it would, but I think as far as his mental, Carmelo Anthony's mental, he's not going to go to the Lakers and be like, shit, I'm going to do what, I'm doing, what I've am what i been doing everywhere else. I feel like going to the Lakers, you have a guy in LeBron James who, they're extremely close friends, hang out almost every summer together with their wives and all of that, so you know they're close. If there's anybody that can talk to Melo, i be like, bro, listen, I'm not telling you not to do what you do, but Let's switch it up a little bit, bro. Try this, do this, do that. If there's anybody that can have an effect on Carmelo and Anthony's game, it's LeBron, and that is even saying a lot because I don't think I don't think success at doing that. But I feel like if there's anybody that can,
0: it's definitely LeBron. Yeah, well, let's see what Sauce got because I don't like the Lakers' move. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that Melo's going to change for LeBron if he won't even change for his pride. Like you've been bounced, you've bounced around more this season than you have your whole damn career. Yeah.
1: That's true. Sauce, what's your take?
2: Well, I don't want him to go out like Allen Iverson, but this I would. I, was, but this is what is. This not, is exactly I, what it, it's what it, it is. It's kind of looking like it because Iverson was bounced around teams, whatever, like that. But I think I think Melo got a little bit more in the tank because he he's actually. Let's be real. I mean, around this time, I mean, he's put a little bit more work ethic than what Allen Iverson did. Facts, um, but. uh I think, honestly, the Lakers would probably be the second-best choice. I think the first-best choice would be the Denver Nuggets. And I think the Denver Nuggets is, is something to say, oh, because he got drafted there. But they actually could use him, but it would be for sentimental reasons as well. And playing with uh, the Joker, who is being – I mean, that, that mug can play some basketball – but I think with them, you know, being slow with Michael Porter Jr., I don't think he's been on the court, right? No. I mean, and Isaiah Thomas ain't playing, so they need not—they don't need somebody to pound the ball. but no. They need somebody to catch. I feel shoot. what you're saying. He can get I the think quarters. he can sit there, be on the baseline. He can come off, come off there. They run plays. They run a the type problem... of style to where he could probably come in and be that guy to, to, I, to do like it. I actually I think
1: that's you... a good point, Sauce. I think not that the Nuggets list. are
0: a good takeaway from that. Yeah, but not
2: to not to, pound not, the ball, not to pound the ball. Why right? not,
0: you know, Sam? It's because <coughs> Melo's going to get in that locker room, and he's going to look around, and he's going to be like, I'm better than everybody he in here. He can't
2: do that. He can't. He, 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 even
0: With the mindset go he got, he's he not going to look at Will two. Barton and be like, bro, you cannot, bro. Will Barton cannot play with me. He's not going to take a backseat to nobody on that team.
1: And that's the—I feel like that's why it's a good move because you have <clears throat> you have guys around Carmelo outside of Carmelo yeah, to where good. you don't. Carmelo can go out there and try to be that scorer, but you don't need Carmelo to be that because you have guys out there that can fill it up. You have a Will Barton. You have a Jamal Murray that can go out and get buckets. You have a Gary Harris. There are other guys out there that can get the bucks. So but do Carmelo, you bring
0: that type of cancer to the locker
1: room? No, is- I don't think it'll be that, though. I think he'll be like the big brother for real. And I don't think a big brother as in taking these guys in and making these guys better and making them feel welcome. I think these are guys that grew up watching Melo. So they're going to be like,
0: but we got Melo on the mob now. Love it, if If he would take that mindset and really be a mentor, then I would agree with y'all, but I just don't see that.
1: No, I no, 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 no. I, I don't think he'll be a there. mentor. I think that the guys will just brother, appreciate They'll, they'll appreciate I, him being on the squad. Like, like, bro, we got Melo. Bro, I remember watching Melo. This isn't this, and that, that. And I think that the guys will actually feed into the fact that this is a fail, farewell tour for Melo. So they'll put up with a little more because they know that Melo's not going to be here for the long term. Right. I feel like it's going to be a lot like the Lakers situation with Kobe. There were guys in that locker room that I believe flat out didn't like Kobe. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a respect right? thing for one and for two. It's like, shit, we know he' about to get up out of here. Let's let's like make this
0: ride. Let's make this ride memorable for him. I feel what you're saying, but Kobe is like a lot different than Melo, considering. But, but, it's his, Kobe. But, but look at it yeah, 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 look, yeah. No, no question about that.
2: Carmelo, Carmelo goes to the Thunder with Alpha Mel, Westbrook, and Paul George. Everybody else was younger, and, right? But that's what I'm saying. Listen to me. They were bigger brands than what the Denver Nuggets have put together. Would you say Russell Westbrook and Paul George?
1: I mean, yeah, I agree. of
2: a cancer in that environment. Then he there's would, not. Yeah, with the Denver Nuggets, because he would have but that. There's
1: not head. a guy on that Nuggets roster outside of Jokic that you could point to as being that alpha male. So Carmelo can very well go into that situation feeling like can't yeah. nobody in here outball me. But it's not going to hurt that culture because those guys have never been around an alpha male, right? And, and there's no bring, other he alpha can bring male. A different
2: type of tenet. right? And Listen. there's there's no other
1: alpha male in that locker room that feels that's going to feel disrespected. And if they do, I feel like it's going to show in their play rather than their uh their words or their actions or the chemistry in the locker room because there's nobody in that locker room that anybody of us feel like. Oh, that's the guy. He's the alpha male. Outside of Jokic, we're not including him. The rest of the guys in that locker room are not looked at as, that's the alpha male right there. He is the guy. So Melo, like I said, Melo can go into that situation feeling like, can't nobody in here out? Ain't nobody in here better than me. And if he goes out with that mindset, I feel like you can, in that situation, there could be a plus coming out of that. It could be the player saying, shit, all right, well, bet. Let me go out here and show what I'm really capable of. You could get the best out of the guys in that aspect,
0: yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I just feel like him him um being in the atmosphere where he's coming off the bench behind people, he feel like he's better than I feel like that would mess with his play, but I, like I said, really it always comes like it always comes down to with him, it depends on the mindset he goes in there with, if he's willing to go in there and be the big brother figure and wait until the pl- – I think the playoffs is where it works the most Yeah, and, and that's where, I think that's it, would where, that's where it would work the most with Denver is the playoffs because they definitely are going to need a guy that can go get the buckets that's off where, the dribble that, in tough stretches him. off from the wing. He would be huge for them in that aspect, but I don't think they really need him very much in the regular season and will he be willing to deal with that. I don't know, and they wouldn't. Need him. Be, they it would be kind deep. of similar to deep. like, uh, and
2: that's what I'm saying. They're already deep. He would be something better. Of a, you remember of the a, year uh, how Joe Johnson was with the Jazz? He took yeah, no, he that would be a better, better. He would be yeah. a better option at, at that. that and, I think, and I think, and I think that his be, position, he can play. He can rebound still, so that would be a plus. I mean, would, like, be,
0: would he be willing to wait his time though?
2: That's the thing. Yes, we're going to love. Because if he goes to L.A. which, while because if he was willing to wait his time, L.A. it would be too much pressure to what he would have to do. I can, have to more, I can agree with that.
1: I can agree with that. He
2: would have to sit there. Melo, what's Melo? Melo, Melo you talking to, about it in LA? Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah if, Melo goes, if, if, if Melo goes to Denver, it's less of that. It's I less agree. I feel like that. I feel like with the
1: Denver Nuggets, like Sam said, Melo may have to wait his time, but I don't necessarily believe he will. I feel like he can come in right now. And not necessarily make them better, but he can contribute right now. As like Saul said, even if it's not scoring right away,
0: he I'm, rebounds the ball still well. I so. wasn't meaning, I wasn't meaning like he's not going to do nothing to the playoffs. I'm just saying like is he he gonna have to wait for his moment. Like his moment gonna come in the playoffs when they need a bucket. Uh, with the last 30 seconds or something, he can hit the big shot. That's when people are going to be like, okay, Melo. That right. is Melo. And he he, that's what I'm saying. He, he, he I think he can. I, he think, he can. I think he like can. I think he can wait for that.
2: Because with teams like Denver, or the teams like Atlanta Hawks, or the teams like the uh, Toronto Raptors at the time when they had uh, uh, Lowry and, me Ro- and No, no, When you take teams like that, and they don't have guys in the, in the the dead end of the regular season, going into the playoffs and deep in the, in the playoffs, if you make it, that the Atlanta Hawks and those teams didn't have guys to pass it to, to get that bucket or to clinch the game or to hit a game win or whatever. Melo would be that to the Nuggets. Cause that's who they really are. That's They're what that I guy. said. Right. So they, they put him on the team and he would be that guy to, to go Burr, to. That's literally, if he goes to the Lakers, he would not, he, it would be too much pressure. And I think he would, he would, it would be kind
0: of. That was literally what I said. And I said that
2: first, but you did you came in and said it. Then I said it again.
0: And then like, I don't know. I forgot what like I was about to say. Like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it was yeah, something about
0: – yeah, go ahead. I'm going to figure it out.
1: I I definitely think that that would be best. I, I, I retract my statement about the Lakers. I think the Nuggets will be the best situation for him. And reason being is because I don't think a lot of people are coming – yeah, the Nuggets are having a good season, but a lot of people aren't looking at the Nuggets to be – a contender in the playoffs. They'll be a playoff team most likely, but they won't be a team that people are looking at like, oh, yeah, they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. They're looking at them as, oh, shit, the Nuggets the Nuggets got a, a tough record. They about to make you the have, playoffs.
0: They all right. Do you throw a guy like Melo in, and I feel like that Thomas, adds up. A- and Isaiah Thomas, I think that can make them a, a way tougher out. I agree, and I
1: with feel like with the right mindset, with right,
0: level. exactly. And I there's
2: feel like nobody on that team that can handle situations in the playoffs right now. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and out, I, on wing, at, like out on the wing, I feel like Jokic, is good. Yeah, Cool. and they, some I mean, there's a lot of foreigner like, basketball players that can come over here and just be like, "Man, what is and this?" Then,
1: and I feel like with those two guys together, it could be something special because those are two guys that look at the NBA like we both still got something to prove. And they could come together and pull the best out of each other, I feel like. I feel like Isaiah Thomas
0: and Melo could be pretty special together. Me That's too. A, Me too. Play. But it all play. comes down to Melo taking. The, he's got because oh, yeah. they're both coming off the bench. Yeah. Oh yeah. Both Isaiah are. Thomas is
2: already going. We know he's going to be cool with that. I but think Melo cool will be cool with that situation because he knows when he comes in the game, he knows what's up. Exactly. He knows. Know he knows the
1: court is his once he gets on the court coming hey, off the bench. Right. But I'm not I want to take is. it. I want to take it a step further and say this: they bring in a guy like Melo, and they have a guy like uh, Michael Porter Jr. who hasn't touched the court. And you look at it from a standpoint as in we know what Mello has done for this organization. Let's sit both of these guys down and let's let Mello teach him some stuff that he does not know. Let's help Mello make him a better player. And I think if any organization can get that out of Mello, it could
2: be the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. It can help yeah, them, I like it, it. it help the franchise even more. No, I know I'm not I'm not going against you. I'm no. just I'm just elaborating. I'm saying that it brings so much good to that franchise if he went back to Denver to where the man averaged twenty points every time he put the uniform on. And and it could come back and, and, and provide some type of a spark to where in the playoffs, what the Sam said, can come in there and and, and be that guy that be like, hey, in these situations, I'm gonna come alive. In the in the words of Paul Pierce, prince parentheses, parentheses, uh 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 quotations mark quotation marks. Uh, uh, this is why they brought me here.
1: But, yeah, and I feel like even deeper than that, Melo knows he if he goes to Denver, he knows he's going into a an an immediate love situation. Mm-hmm. They love Melo in Denver, so it's yeah. not like he has to go here and prove himself to the fan base. They like shit. We remember what you did for us. We remember if don't nobody remember your greatness, we remember. Yep. So I feel like. It's this is a place where Melo is doesn't have to be Melo. He doesn't have to go into this this particular situation feeling like he has to prove himself because he already he's already done that here.
2: Yep. Because you put him back, but you because say this right here. You put him beside LeBron James. Just so happens his brain ticks this way. He gets <laughs> he gets to play with LeBron. He's like, I gotta be. That 30 plus Sam Sam smart. Sam talks about that all the time. He yeah. said
1: that he thinks that that's Melo's biggest downfall is that he looks at LeBron and realizes how close they were coming out of high school yeah. and how their careers have taken off in different
0: that's directions. Okay, except it's fake, bro. Yeah. I'm telling you, D Wade had no problem, but D Wade, you know, he's a little older than him. He did a couple years of college, so I think it was a little easier for D Wade, right? And plus, I don't think D Wade ever put himself up on that pedestal. Skip like, Bayless did. I mean, I'm, I'm not like, saying he's not up there with them. I'm no, just saying I don't, saying don't think he didn't like come out with Ron that Ron mindset that they he's did. Dead. I don't think D-Wade's walking around like me and Braun. Is, I think he knows that Braun's better than yeah. that. Right. Like, Melo don't know that, bro. No, People no. might think he do. Bro, Melo don't know that. And if I put myself in
2: Melo's shoes <laughs> as a hooper, Bro, Melo knows that. I think Melo can walk up to the front and be like, man, you the best in the world. Nah, man, it's not, it's not I don't be believe that, cool.
0: that at all. I don't either, bro. That's what I'm saying. You got to think, bro. At the end of the day, these guys are still like, I don't know. Look as clear. a hooper, I, I'm clear. not saying he right, but as a hooper, I can see 100% why he feels that way coming out. They were neck and neck. People actually felt like Melo was actually better than LeBron coming out. But there's
2: a paper trail Yes,
0: yes, all that. But Melo not looking at it like I got hurt so I'm worse. Melo feel like he still can do what he did in 2009. Like Melo, to Melo, Melo ain't never went nowhere. He just ain't been in the right places and had the right opportunities. That's a fact. looking at it like he diminished. He still think he the same Melo. He was when he was nineteen, he like shit. I got better since then. What you mean? I would love to I'm, hear I would say that. My... I,
2: would love to hear say I don't that. need to. remember but, a... but number two, let's not forget that Melo has other things to worry about as far as his game is only the injuries, as far as his like say I'm not... leading a team. He like being saying being up there with LeBron, I get what you're saying. His mindset will feel like I can sit there and go up and down the court and be that athletic and all that stuff like that, like LeBron is being. That's what I'm
1: saying. All right, let's Same wrap thing. this topic up, yeah. fellas. We gotta jump. We we about to break the record as an as in the time here. We still got two oh, yeah. more topics to talk. Oh, yeah. Um let's go ahead and uh get into some college basketball real quick. This is another topic that should probably be, you know, favorable to sauce. Kentucky's looking pretty good here lately. They beat Auburn, ranked opponent, turnaround beat Mississippi State, ranked opponent as well. And now they got the Jayhawks on the menu, I believe. Don't they got Kansas? Yeah. Yeah. Um Saturday. they got Kansas up next on Saturday. So um do you fellas believe Kentucky is peaking at just the right time?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like I feel like and it's not I'm not listening I'm not one of those guys to be a fan of a team and go over zealous because I've been a very, very very hard critical in Kentucky It's one of like my toughest teams, I'm a tough on. And as far as about how we've been playing, it's been real spotty. But now as we've been coming along, it's been a lot of PJ Washington being a leader on the team and letting Kelvin Johnson be that guy to say, Hey, I'm gonna be y'all's athlete and get things done. But ultimately Tyler Harrell grew a set
1: of nuts. And that's exactly what I was gonna say. Ball, Tyler Sam and
2: and No, but he's been playing real soft and timid. Sam and showed me
1: Tyler soft. Harrell prior to this season. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, he got something with him. But then I watched yeah. him against Duke and I watched him a couple of other times this year. And I'm like, this not the guy that Sam showed me, or maybe I don't know if he's timid out there or what. But, but he here lately be- down this this recent stretch, he's showing everybody what he what he's capable of doing. And there's something going on in that locker room. It could be that leadership that you're talking about. But something's going on in this locker room that's changing the culture of Kentucky basketball at this particular moment. And as far as I'm concerned with them peaking at the right time, I think that this Kansas game is really going to tell us whether they're peaking or not at the right time. I'm not saying they have to go out and beat Kansas, but if they go out and lose to Kansas and they fight. West
2: Virginia can beat Kansas.
1: If they they go out and play tough against a Kansas team, win or lose, and play uh, inspired basketball, yes, I will say Kentucky is peaking at just the right time. Sam, what's your take?
0: I think Kentucky's looking great, but if they're peaking now, then that's not the right time. You don't want to peak in January, so no. I don't think we're peaking. No. Yeah, I, that's what I, I'm saying. I think I, I think though, that y'all getting y'all, y'all are getting good, and this is what you want to do is get better around this time. But if this is a peak, then that that's not good. Yeah, you don't want this to be the peak. You want to still be getting better, keep improving. And so, if if you there. want to say peaking, then no. But Kentucky is looking way different than what we saw in opening night and the first couple months of the season. They're definitely looking like a team that can contend for a national title now, but they still got to get better.
2: And we can't wait to see Alabama again. We <laughs> <laughs> not wait to
0: see
2: them. Um, yeah, he, he wrote, I knew it was going to take him around
0: conference play to really get going. He just wanted to, He's not going to be a one and done. He's going to do, probably do at least two years. So I, I knew he wouldn't be a guy that was going to hit the ground running. But, man, he could fill it up. I'm yeah, telling you, just look can, out.
2: 20-plus points every day. And, that, and you know, he just a, he's a special player. And, uh, and, and that's what I was needing to see out of him, to just be, you know, be because, you know, he could be that guy that could, you know, just be like, I'm just going to go wild. Just give me the ball. Let me go wild as far as catch and shoot. He can come off screens. He can dribble a little bit. Oh, so ain't no little bit. bit. So he got, the handle. Just, he got a, a handle. He got to get to the rim. He, that was another part of him he had to be confident about. And he about. got mocks. And he could get there. He, he could – like like what Sam just said, the man can sit there and hold his own whenever the whenever somebody can get in his face. You could like, take him to the record. Up. He cool. Right. He's like, what's up? He rocking. Yeah. And that was one thing that I said in the Duke game when we was getting blew out. I said, at least Tyler Harold got – you know, at least Tyler Harold ain't sitting there.
0: He ain't, ain't looking lost. He's yeah. like – he
2: was out there gunning. He was like, you know what, I'm a gun. But it just throughout the season, I'm like – Open up, you know, go wild. He's now he's starting to do that. Big Blue Nation gonna love But PJ Washington, I think, is a big. He's, key for, he's, he's key. key for y'all. He's key for y'all. And I'm hoping to God that E.J. Montgomery starts to really play a little bit. And, and what's
0: the boy uh, can't from Stanford? He ain't really been I, doing.
2: Mister uh, uh Travis Reed. Who, Travis he Ray. Yeah. Where has he been? Because he's I, I wasn't would really sold on him to begin
1: to begin with. I'm
0: he's
2: been he's
1: been him. he's been doing enough, but I, I don't know if Kentucky came in. With the mindset that they were expecting him to do a little more than what he's doing, but he's doing what his skill set yeah. allows him to do. He's being himself. He's he's not are, he's I not playing bad by turn no turn. means, but I yeah I think that's what it was. I think people were expecting more out of him than what he's given, and he's play, he's definitely playing he's playing good ball for what he's able to play. I'm just
2: wondering, really, on him being something what people was talking about. I was like, now come on, he ain't better, than B.J. But
1: he's doing exactly what he did at Stanford, and that's fine. Exactly, exactly. So last topic of the day, fellas. Duke, which uh, suffered that injury that we already talked about to Trey Jones, uh, this past weekend beat previously undefeated Virginia without Trey Jones. And uh, I felt like there were a lot of takeaways from this game. I felt like it was more of a statement game for Duke to show – yeah, we're we're in a tough moment right now, but we can rally together and do what we need to do to get a victory. And I felt like that's exactly what happened. Me and Sam talked about this last episode. The thing that we said needed to happen was, well, I believe I said Cam Reddish needs to step up and take some of the pressure off of R.J. Baird and not allow him to have to do the scoring and facilitating and everything else. And that is exactly what happened. There was one point in time where uh, the big three of Duke had every point except for four. And if I'm not mistaken, it ended around somewhere around there as well. Those guys basically controlled the game. So that to me was the biggest takeaway from the game was that also want to throw in that Trey Jones will be back in uniform here fairly soon. So that's a plus for us blue devil fans. But I was extremely pleased with the outing that I saw against Virginia because Virginia play typical Virginia ball. They didn't let you get a, a large lead. They didn't uh, get too down about anything when you got a, a fairly decent lead. But this Blue Devil team showed that they're definitely capable of weathering storms. What were y'all's takeaways from this game? Sam, starting with you, what was your t- uh, biggest takeaway from this game?
0: That if Zion, RJ, and Cam are going on the same night, then – I mean, what you can do? you do <laughs> exactly? What can you do? That's
1: a fact. Sauce. What was your takeaway?
2: Oh, Sion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, but it, they, I. You know, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be a fan real quick. I can't wait to we play. I can't wait to Kentucky see Duke again. Man, y'all not gonna punk us out like that again. But not when the, to see Duke have. You know the lapses where they make where they had their losses. You know, what I'm saying I, that made me feel like they're not a, they're not that super team. But Zion is a super number one pick, and I think I think he just kind of made that be known. As the one arsenal thing as the rest of the season is going to be he's he's a number one pick for sure. And he the things that he's learning along with R.J. Barrett because R.J. Barrett is a guy with arsenal. Like he he he's a young kid that has that got so much stuff in his game. He's got Barrett. the package. Right, and uh, Zion is feeding off of that, man. You know, he's, his game, is his athleticism is so much superior. It's making him so much more scary being with Coach K and all that stuff. Zion is a scary beast, man. Yeah, and Sam. Man, he up with it. It, it, Like, I'm still a fan of Cam Reddick, but it's Zion, man. Sam, what it's, was
0: you going to say? The thing that's um, – the reason why we haven't been looking as dominant as we were early in the season is because we haven't been shooting the basketball from three as well. Mm-hmm. When we were beating the shit out of teams early in the season – we were sh- we were lights out. The yeah, the three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the Duke team nobody wants to see is the roster that we have that's stroking the three. Zion hitting it, Cam hitting it, RJ hitting it, Jack White hitting it. That's what you don't want to see. That's when that's when the games like that Kentucky game yeah. can happen. Because I mean, we you already know we're gonna get out and run on you. Yeah. You already know we're gonna and get, y'all get a lot of M1s, too, man.
2: Y'all get a lot of that yeah, and, get and that's
0: them.
1: that's one thing. That's one thing I took away from this game is we already knew how strong Zion was and we already knew how athletic Zion was. But the thing that stands out to me the most is he reminds me so much of Marvin Bagley, the third last year and how quickly he gets off the floor. He gets yeah. off. He explodes off the floor for one, but that second jump is so quick. So That's why he gets so many second chances. And, like like we all said, it's that strength. He literally goes to the basket and his and one baskets are almost just like a contested layup. It's not like he's being fouled. It's just like a contested bucket. And that's why he's converting a lot of them.
2: Shot, but it's like that game where I sent the video to I sent the video to both of y'all. It was where he went up on the N one and like the guy had his smack arm. He I mean, grabbed, he And that's grabbed his, his arm and that was his offhand. Yeah, and he still got the ball off to to I mean to 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 make that freaking end one like you like if it was from a distance somebody from sitting in the other side of the state have been like man that was a nice layup. but not knowing that his arm was cracked. his the dude dude
1: <laughs> grabbed his whole arm like it wasn't just a a pity pat foul dude had grip on his arm he powered through and made that a dunk. Like, it wasn't just the ball didn't alter or anything. It wasn't like, oh, he got fouled and the ball rattled in. No, that looked like a fast-break dunk, and it almost looked like the dude missed his arm. That's how emphatic the dunk was. Then when they showed the replay and slowed it down, dude had a full grip of (laughs) Zion's forearm, and he still powered through and dunked it. So, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from that game was Definitely that, like Sam said, when those three guys are going, what are you really going to do with this Duke team? Because even throughout that game, Duke didn't shoot the ball well as we have throughout the season. It was strictly just those three guys willing us to victory.
2: I, I just think you got to just not be intimidated and you got to play your game, and then you'll fare you better against this team. If you, oh. if you If you let fast breaks happen, if you sit there and just let – you know, your are lazy passes like rush the pressure. You know, they, they the way y'all play defense, the way they do play defense, they come at you. If you make that one lazy pass, Zion's gonna get it. Our yeah,
1: these guys, good. these guys love to play the passing lanes and they're playing well.
2: If you cannot be lackadaisical or be panicked to throw something errant, that's, it. So that, that's one thing you got ball control, man. That's,
1: that's what fast. takes, that's what makes Trey Jones so valuable to this team because the pressure he puts on the ball makes that pass that you're making to your defender or to your teammate so much more difficult. So you get an opportunity to where you're like, ah, shit, let me get this ball out of my hand. And then you throw it, but the pass that that you're throwing doesn't have the typical umph that you would put on it because of his ball pressure, which in turn allows us to get as many passing lane steals as we do. So I'm anxious to get him back in uniform just so we can uh, take those strides and get ready to make this run and conference plan, conference tournament, and the 64 as well, or 68, should I say. But, yeah, man, that pretty much wraps up this episode. Was there anything else you wanted to add before we got out of here, Sam?
0: It
2: was, but we ran real long.
0: Because, <laughs> we, we, don't, we, we don't need
2: it. I, I just want to say, um, as far we send sending off, I want to say that look out for the Brooklyn Nets. Because we did you know, I wanted to talk just one last NBA thing. Me too. But, Brooklyn, that's but, the, Brooklyn, but the Brooklyn Nets, they're 16 in the East. They have won some 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 good games. They beat some good teams, but they've won six in a row at one point. They are being like a good team that's learned through the years of being, you know what I'm saying, laughed at, bad, you know, whatever. They went through having, you know, picks, you know, that they didn't even need, you know what I'm saying. But they suffered because of the trade with Kevin Garnett and so on and so forth, whatever but they're coming with, with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Denzel Russell being the two main cogs, but having some experience with DeMar Carroll and some other guys, watch out for them, man. I yeah, they're
1: definitely peaking. Know. They're definitely peaking. They're number
2: one at chasing people off the three-point line. I'm leaving it at I mean, they're, 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 they're defensively talked about first.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, I, I will say I've caught a couple of Nets games, and I'm impressed. But, yeah, man, that pretty much does it for this episode of the Pick and Roll podcast. Um glad y'all enjoy. I do want to apologize for not having any pick'ems this week. Also apologize. We'll get we'll get into that next week. We'll have our Super Bowl picks next week and hopefully have a special guest in with us there as well. But um yeah, man, we will have our pickems next week and we will also have our blind resume and our pick and roll podcast fan poll of the week, which we have been slacking on a bit. So uh be looking out for those. As I said, um interact with us on social media. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Interact with us. Let us know how y'all feel about certain things. Let us know certain topics that y'all want to hear about. But, uh, yeah, man, that pretty much does it. I want to also thank our homeboy, Sauce, for joining us. If you have not yet and you listen to our podcast, please, please, please check out Sauce Straight Talk Show. That's Sauce, S-O-S-S, Straight Talk Show. You can find him on all platforms, same platforms you can find us on. Uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music, all of that. Anywhere that you can find us, you can find him. So go ahead and do yourself a favor and subscribe to his page. Also on uh, Instagram as well, Sauce Straight Talk Show. You can find him on there. Just follow the hashtags and you'll find him. But signing out, it's your boy Ish. It's your boy Sam.
2: And it's your boy Sauce.
1: We out of here, man. We appreciate it. We out.